All right. Hello, Neuro Girlies. My name is Maggie and welcome to my podcast. In this podcast, I speak with friends and loved ones about neuroscience topics. Uh, Being a neuro major who has bare minimum neuroscience knowledge, Um, And yeah, I just like to talk with people who know absolutely nothing about uh, neuroscience and try to make it more easy and accessible to understand. So today I wanted to talk about uh, brain's control of motor function uh, and how that affects people who do not have limbs. So I'm specifically talking about phantom limb. Uh, I think it's a very interesting topic, uh, just because I have some personal connection to it. Um, my grandmother, who recently passed away, her name is Nuna, so I'm going to talk uh, refer to her as Nuna from now on. Um, but she had phantom limb in her uh, last few months. Um, she actually passed away because uh, she had an amputation, and the uh amputation or the limb that she had to amputate uh had been infected um but they cut the amputation um a little longer than it should have been uh so the infection uh continued to spread throughout her leg um and continued to the rest of her body and uh that is sort of how uh her body shut down um but uh, after she got her amputation, um, she did experience phantom limb. And I had heard of this situation. I've heard of this happening to amputees before, amputated persons. Um, but I never understood why. Uh, so when uh, we took neuroscience uh, this past semester and learned about uh, the brain's control of motor function and how certain uh, parts of the brain allocate uh, action and reaction to certain parts of the body. Um, I was really interested in how this could affect people with phantom limb and if those certain regions of the brain um, still are active. And uh, the one. Yeah, so uh, to start, I'll just give uh, some general overview about um, the brain's control of motor function. So a lot of people generally know that our brain uh, controls all of our motor function, um, except for, you know, perhaps reflexes that uh, will perhaps even just travel to the spinal cord. just to the tip of the central nervous system. Um, But we might not know just how much um, and how specific the neural pathway can be from the stimulus to processing to the execution of whatever action must be done. Uh, And it often goes unknown that specific regions of the brain are allocated to handle other specific regions of the body, like we were talking about. Um, I knew that because I learned about the allocation of the, uh, of motor function from certain regions in the brain to certain body parts. Uh, I learned that in my psychology class in high school, but I know not everyone might be exposed to that information. 
Um, and also, though we know that some of the pathways that uh, take a stimulus process it and execute an action uh, must be working in our motor, motor cortex, we might not know the specific location and neuronal pathway. Um, so we don't know exactly what part of the brain, um, you know, perhaps uh, area four, area six, which uh, we will be talking about today. Um, so like I said, uh, the motor cortex, including the brain and the spinal cord, initiates all of our voluntary movements in our body. Um, and there's a hierarchy of controls in the motor cortex that operates in our bodies. And the highest level is strategy, at the middle is tactical, and the lowest is execution. And the motor cortex also works in conjunction with the sensory motor system in order to take in sensory information and understand what to do with it. Once the sensory stimuli reaches the brain via motor neurons in the body transmitting to the brain, there are two major pathways for descending motor control. The lateral, uh, in which axons from the brain located in the corticospinal and rubrospinal tract and ventral medial pathways. And uh, in these ventral medial pathways, the axon from the brains are located in the tectospinal, vestibulospinal, pontine reticulospinal, and medullary medullary reticulospinal tracts all to the spinal cord. Uh, and so many structures within the cerebral cortex are involved in motor function beyond just the primary motor cortex. Um, and now we will discuss some of those as well. So the areas of the cortex which are assigned to various body parts are proportional to the complexity of the movements that they must perform. And by this, I mean, um, as an example, the region of the cerebral cortex that will aid in hand function is much larger than the region that aids in elbow motor function. Um, and likewise, you will also have uh, many more uh, receptors of sensation in your hands in comparison to your elbows, which do not require a lot of movement for protection, nor do they really face any danger or as much danger as, you know, your hands might, for instance. Okay, so all of this becomes very interesting uh, once dysfunction is brought into the picture. So, you know, uh, a lot of us are very lucky to be able-bodied and not have issues with any of our, our limbs or, you know, um, really any parts of our bodies. Um, but, you know, um, there are people who exist with amputated body parts uh, whose motor function might be uh, inhibited to some extent. And that was the case for Nuna, my grandma on my mother's side. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, her motor function was kind of messed up to begin with just because she was an old lady. So, you know, she had she had a little walker going and um, if she wasn't using her her walker, her cane, she was still, you know, like a little hunched over, you know, you know, old people. It happens. <laughs> but, 
um once she had her her limb amputated uh she was really uh bedridden to the i mean bedridden yes she couldn't move to the point where she uh needed help to uh use the restroom and these sort of things can become very um you know humbling uh not in a good way <laughs> um where you don't want to be in a situation where uh you're dependent on everyone else uh to simply exist so that was very hard for her and um it does come with aging sadly but that was something that uh was a little bit of a damage to her ego not just uh to her uh you know physical motor function so when we learned about uh this allocation of body functions to specific body parts from specific regions of the brain during neuro lecture i was like oh poor nuna like her parts of her brain were shutting down because she uh had you know her her limb was gone her her left leg and uh on top of that because she was bedridden uh she was really no longer to able to move any parts of her body so i was like oh her her brain must have been shutting down towards the end um which you know maybe that could have contributed to like uh, a lot of the brain fog and like uh cognitive i just fogginess in general that she was experiencing as well because you know uh in the last few months of a a person's life a, a lot of things can become very confusing for them um but uh that may not be the case uh because a lot of research shows that you don't necessarily lose your neurons in these regions but uh jobs are reallocated uh in these neurons and uh reorganized so that they take on new functions and this is why we see uh some people who lose certain motor functions uh become very strong in other ones um and it's uh, also a similar idea to how um people who are deaf for instance uh might have heightened sense of taste um basically your body's way of compensation uh compensating so as a survival mechanism So one specific scientific study uh describes uh the function or well, it studied the function of 17 able-bodied individuals in comparison to uh 11 individuals who had amputations and they observed and recorded them to determine the changes occurring uh to their primary motor cortex regions after amputations and it was found that um when observing the reorganizational patterns in the cortex for the former hand area uh they showed few signs of reorganization but the lip and elbow representations reorganized and shifted towards the hand area and it was also found that poor voluntary control and higher levels of pain in the phantom limb were powerful drivers of the lip and elbow topological changes Um so I forgot to mention that the 11 uh amputees were um arm amputee uh, amputees so they were upper limb amputees and that's why 
they their um, lip and elbow organizations uh, shifted towards the hand area, something that, you know, would have been more important. Um, and this all goes to say that the study suggests that phantom limb uh, or the ability of an amputated individual to feel pain in their regions that are gone um, strongly correlates with post-amputation neural reorganization in the motor cortex. And another study going along with this suggests that these reorganization functional changes to the primary motor cortex of amputated individuals allows for improved motor performance uh, when getting a hand replacement. So the study uh, showed that after more than a decade of living as an amputee, the normative functional brain organization governing the control of grasping can be fully restored to what it was before. Um, so basically, in this study, they uh, just recorded the motions and movements um, and the brain function of people who had a hand amputation and then got a new hand. So like a mechanical hand that they could work um, and, you know, learn how to grasp. So they actually did not lose uh, function in that part of their brains. Uh, and it was actually fully restored because uh, through uh, physical training, PT, they learned how to work their mechanical hand the same way that they would use, um, you know, a, an anatomical hand, a biological hand. Um, so even though it might not have been the case for Nuna because uh, she lost all of her motor function and then passed away because she was an older woman, so, you know, age does that anyways, <laughs> Uh, I think this is very interesting because it does offer hope to perhaps younger people uh, who get amputations and maybe they're like, oh, God, like, I don't, I, this is it. This is the end of my life. I won't be able to, you know, eat a bowl of cereal with my hand holding a spoon anymore or I won't be able to play soccer. And that was like my lifelong passion. Um those opportunities are still available for you because your brain is so resilient that uh, with uh, PT, you can, you know, regain those uh, motor functions in your brain, um, but just with metal instead of skin, bone, and muscles. So I think that's really amazing. And it's a lovely sense of hope for humanity. And yeah, I think it's uh, really amazing how resilient uh, the human mind can be. And I find that to be uh, a recurring case uh, when studying neuroscience, which I think is the most rewarding part. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm done. Thank you very much for listening and have a lovely night.